Rumble and Thunder. We're talking Dice Masters, the beauty of the underlying mechanics, the hidden complexities and the strategy, tactics, and decisions of competitive play. If you're just starting the game or have been here since the first set, hopefully you'll find something in this show that'll do you some good. So shake up your bag, reconnoiter your opponent, and get ready to roll. Well, Lucan, we are back for another season of Rolling Thunder Hijinks, and we've got a great season planned for the Masters of Dice. I should mention right off the bat that because of an insane work schedule that I currently find myself in, we most certainly won't be able to get out the same volume of content that we did last season, at least up until New Year. Yeah, where we were once putting out a show every other week, you can now expect one every third week or monthly. So apologies in advance for that, but real life is grimly staring me in the face at the moment. But rest assured, we've got a great season of content planned for you nonetheless. In this first episode, you'll accompany us on our trip to Graceland and the 2019 Dice Masters World Championships. We've got interviews with many a contestant, and we sit down with WizKid's very own Jimmy O'Brien. So stick around for that. During the show, we'll pop in every now and again from the present to give you some context, but we're going to try to keep that to a minimum to help preserve the feeling of the actual flow of the event. I'll put team links in the show notes for all the teams we discussed during the episode, and also links for the games that we talk about that happen to be on the stream, so you can go check them out for yourself. And as always, you can find the show notes at rollandthunder.xyz forward slash 201 for season two, episode one, that's no G, no apostrophe. (laughs) All right, without further ado, let's travel back in time to Thursday, September 5th, 2019. Well, Lucan, here we are in Memphis. Thursday, September the 5th, night before side events begin. Very excited. I'm glad you are. I'm full of trepidation. I've spent the, God, last month, I hit the ground when we came back from our travels. I've just been working like a serious dog. Then the hurricane slammed into where my mom is living, so I spent the last week dealing with that. I've had very little time to think about anything, so I'm kind of scrambling right now. What are your thoughts? Me me too. Just started my junior year of high school with a slew of APs, so I've got a lot of work and very tired, but I'm also very excited to play some Dice Masters, have some fun. I'm going to try to do something a little bit more unique than usual this year, and do a pretty original team with some pretty funky things. You've even named your team this year. I, what you're thinking about running. Uh, it, Tell us a little bit about that. If you ever find me in person, you can ask me the, the full story about the history of the naming, because it will take a long time for me to explain. But I'll just keep it short and say the name of the team is Formaggio, because in Italian that means cheese. There's an, another reason, but you can ask me that in person. I'll just say this. It's a JoJo's reference, and if you know what that means, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so tomorrow morning, 10 by 10, kicks off off the whole festivities 9 30 a.m tomorrow we just got into our room we ought to go down and take a look at the convention center and find out <laughs> where we're even going but that's for front and center what's what's on your mind for that i'm sorry i wasn't listening can you say that again <laughs> so first thing tomorrow morning 10 by 10 any ideas of what you're thinking about running here oh yeah so for the local los angeles one big weekend i ran a team up team and like it's pretty up my alley playstyle wise it's a lot of fun and i have a lot of experience with it so i think it's going to be a good choice for a casual event like the 10 by 10 event 
more not that much is online there's some cool prizing but i mean i'm not going to run the most meta thing this team up team with dreadnought it's pretty fun i have a lot of experience with it so it seems like a pretty obvious choice for me for 10 by 10 just the naturally base team has no duplicates on it from sets so the basic team is legal for 10 by 10 should, should i give a rundown of the team i don't think anybody's <laughs> gonna care if i don't win so maybe i shouldn't do this rundown anyway here it is it's nefarious broadcast team up Cree Captain, Poxwalker, Shriek, Blob, the Uncommon, Venerable Dreadnought, Aserac, Atlas, and Clayface. They're all from different sets. At first, I thought that Poxwalker and Venerable were from the same set, but then I realized that Venerable's from the team pack, so I'm fine. Yeah, that could be a really mean, and there's some fun tricks on that team. Do you want to talk about some of the fun tricks that almost never seem to work, but uh, the idea of them is enticing? <laughs> well, I've tried it many, many times, and there's a 50% chance that it works. I've tried it, like, at least 10 times. There's a 50% chance that it works, but it's only actually ever worked once for me. I think I've actually spoke about it on the podcast before. You buy an action, one of the basic actions, nefarious broadcast or team up, depending on how much energy you have. Then you play the Clayface Global and bring it into your reserve pool on a double energy face. And then you play the Acerac Global to re-roll it. And then there's a 50% chance that that'll come off on an action face and you can use it on the same turn you buy it, which is really powerful. It's kind of expensive, but it's still really powerful. And also the other trick on this team, which I really like, is the Cree Captain with Poxwalker and the Clayface. If you have a Poxwalker in your use pile, you can Clayface in onto its double energy face and then pay two for the Cree Captain global and then pay one more for a four cost, meaning you can buy a four cost for two, which is very cool. So th- those are like the primary two little combat tricks. Yeah, I like it a lot. You know, I'm just here. I'm kind of excited just to see the people. I really love the community and it's always nice to see old faces. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. I mean, last yeah, same here, but don't dodge the question. What are you running? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, last year at Worlds, I won the 10 by 10, but I ran an uncommon fix-it no, team. No, common fix-it. No, that was at Nats. At oh, Worlds, yeah. I won with an uncommon fix-it team. And it was in that meta where people weren't playing a lot of static field. Yeah. I think I counted on using Nefarious Broadcast to stop it. But it's a lot to ask, and I'm tempted to run a version of that team again. I saw Laurier had dabbled with a version of it, which I thought was really clever. That won't work for 10x10 because there's some cards from the same sets in, in his version. But it's a lot to ask to set everything up to get two actions rolling on the same. Even if you get them, it's only 50% that they're both going to roll, and it's hard to set up. But maybe I could do it with supreme intelligence and various broadcasts that could bring it right over yeah but then you can't you can't use Cree captain if you use supreme intelligence yeah you're right they're both from the same set yeah so it's all it's troubling it's it's troubling but what are you going to run i think i may just pirate your team (laughs) 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 all right well signing off we will try to report tomorrow uh, and let you know how things are going here we are in the hall first recording Hey, Ben. <laughs> I think Ben would be a pretty pretty good person to start with, right? Well, let's give Ben a moment to put no, his team together. No. All right. Give Ben a minute. How about uh, Michael? I'm going to go hit a restaurant. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> here we are. Hello, Arch. I'm happy to be here. This is wonderful Michael Phoebus. And Michael Phoebus, the wonderful one. Here we are before it's 10 by 10. Yes, and I'm looking forward to this very much. We are in the Graceland, what do they call it? Exhibition, Exhibition Center. That's right. At the Yellow Tables. And it, the crowd is its packed in here. There's a lot of folks, tons of hit clicks players, tons of Dice Masters players. I'm surprised so many Dice Masters players are here. I'm, I'm very under, pleasantly surprised. I think they underestimated the amount of yellow tables that we need. More <laughs> yellow tables. Well, fair enough. 
Michael, I will let you uh, do what you need to do. Nick Wally, welcome to Graceland, my man. Uh, how's it going? How, how was your trip? And, uh, it was pretty good. We drove in from Cincinnati. It was about seven and a half, eight hour, something okay. like that. Farther north than you think it is, Cincinnati, yeah. I guess, right? We got in before midnight, so we picked up uh, Shadow Melt on the way in. Okay, great. So we didn't have to Uber. What are you looking forward to uh, this weekend? What's, what's uh, on your radar? I don't know. It's kind of nice to just meet, greet, and see all the people again. For sure. Um, some of the competitions are going to be interesting. I think some of the formats could be better. I would have been really interested to see Popper and 10 from 10 had they all been drafting sets or like one complete set. Right. That way Justice isn't three sets and no commons allowed. Yeah, there's going to be some rough combos in that. Yeah, like Ross has been doing Weekly Dice Arena and we've played a few of the formats and it's the Popper, everyone brought the same stuff. So yeah, I brought some stuff to try and shake that meta up. I'm kind of excited about Popper. Cool. Global Escalation, I hope it doesn't take more than an hour for the whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that should roll pretty fast, I, I, I would imagine. I found a new broken combo that, actually, now that I've mathed some stuff out, it's better than Yondu. Right on. All right. I like it. It's All right. crafty, but it's not that fancy. Simple is sometimes the best. Yeah, I was looking at the Yondu again, and I'm like, can I do it faster? Trying PXG, Clayface, Shenanigans. Probably the Yandu is it requires a lot of slots, right? It requires a lot of slots, and that you can't get away with a two-cost easy. Trying to fit it in, find all the costs, are pretty rough. It's a really fun team, and it also had that element where it catches people by surprise, but you're going to have less of that now, unfortunately. Yeah, I was happy to see Laurier play it in the two-team takedowns online. He did pretty well with that, too, didn't he? I heard. I think he got somewhere up there, second maybe. Regardless, I've uh, found another way to just KO but not KO a bunch of dice and use that to my advantage. There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll see some new... Uh, there are some cards you haven't seen before making a splash for my global escalation. Cool. And then a bunch of globals to make them work because, well, seven cards with globals make anything work. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. There's one global I don't want to see. And one basic action, and one rare, and anything else that really shuts down globals. But right, <laughs> but you know, hopefully nobody does that because the spirit of the thing is global escalation. You know, <laughs> eh, I think it'd be funny to roll up with one of those global hate teams, make someone actually play a game. Yeah, I mean, who does a three-turn kill? Am I right, Arge? Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the jacket. I think that's part of, part of the fun of this, of the thing. You know, you want to see your, your combo explode. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was funny. We were practicing. We were going to practice one night for it. We showed up with three different win conditions and three different ways to win on turn three. And it's like, okay, yeah, this works. There's some notable favorites. I hope mine's the most consistent. We'll see what happens. Cool. Good for you. I don't know. I still literally haven't built a team for Global Escalation at all, so I'm going to have to run back after this. I was thinking that the hall was in the same place where we were staying, Ooh. so I could just go upstairs and figure out what the hell I was going to do. Now, when you guys fly in, do you bring the whole collection, or do you just bring what you think you need? If we have time beforehand to prepare, we'll just bring what we think we need. This case, we just threw everything in a bag and came out here. And then, of course, I forgot probably about half of the stuff I need. So, like, when we looked at it last night, we were like, ooh, I forgot the dice for this, and I forgot the dice. 
I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's just been one of those months. So yeah, coming in, leading into this. You've been doing uh, filming, right, or something? We've been. I've been working crazy, crazy, crazy hours, and then my mom's been involved in the hurricane, oh, and no. so yeah, she's in Charleston. So the whole thing has just been. It's just been a. It's been a bit of a month from hell. So yeah. <laughs> we're just we're playing SLAs kind of thing. Well, I wish her the best, and hopefully speedy recoveries from everything going on. For sure. It's good to see Shadow Meld here coming from Florida. Absolutely. All right, Nick, well, thank you. I'll check in again later this this weekend, and yeah. we'll see how uh, things roll. Maybe I can claim a title from you and Lucan. I'm Maybe sure that, that doesn't seem like a high bar right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Can't thanks. wait for the next podcast. Right on. Well, we're working on it. All right, here I am with Ross from the Weekly Dice Arena, who is actually... Now, are you judging too, Ross, or are you just streaming? I am co-judging with DM Armada. He is the front runner in that category. I am supplementary, but also streaming, yep. And what are you looking forward to? What is it, what is it that you, you... You've been previewing some of this stuff I, I read online that you've done some... There's a preview draft, you know. that's for sure. That's going to be super fun. I just think it's awesome that we now have... You know, we had Origins where there was tons of spoilers. We're going to have spoilers tomorrow. People are going to be able to play with new cards. That is going to be wild. Uh, so just the excitement in the room for that alone is pretty tight. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It's probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most, seeing as I've had zero time to do anything else. At least puts me on an even playing field. Exactly. It'll, uh, it'll, it'll take out some factors of team building when you've never seen the cards before, for sure. For sure. And luck. You know, I, always, I rely on that all, all so much. It never hurts to be lucky, ever. <laughs> Ever, ever. Right on. So talk to me about your setup here. What have you got set up in terms of how you're going to stream this out and broadcast this, etc.? So we are streaming out to the Final Ross Battle Twitch channel, which is where the, the Weekly Dice Arena is every week. We're also streaming to Steven's DM Armada YouTube channel. So those are both live feeds, and we actually have a combined chat. So whichever you're comfortable watching, people can, can jump into either one of those. Ryan and Steven were the masterminds behind all of the hardware and, and the, the real nuts and bolts of this. So I just get to, get to come and add my flavor to the... Uh, the already greatness that's been uh, put before me. Right on. So the Chris, Chris and Rob's game room is also here working behind the scenes, and it's, it's like a huge team effort, it seems like. It really is. It's like from all of the content that's going to come out of this weekend, uh, you know, we'll have we'll have a month's worth of things to watch for sure and listen to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I will check back in with you later this weekend, Ross, and see how it's going. I, I'd be curious to, you know, you'll get a chance to be watching all these top tables, so that'll be fun, and I, I'll be curious to hear what you have enjoyed watching the most. Without being invested in playing at all, it'll be nice to sort of objectively just kind of uh, take some take some hints about what's here and what's working, what's not, and stuff like that. For sure, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, here we are with Ben Scott here in Graceland. Hello. How was the trip? Canada. You're down with a big Canadian contingent right now. Yeah, huh? it was kind of funny. On the plane ride down, there were more people coming to Graceland with Dice Masters and Heroclix players than there were other people on the flight. Awesome. Awesome. So who else is from Canada off the top of your head? Here we so go. Jocelyn, Rob, mm-hmm. Laurier and me came down on the Toronto flight. Matt Jourdain is here somewhere. And there's another guy called Petrus. Sure. A lot of Canadians. Yeah, what, are you looking for? what are you looking for this weekend? Any, anything particular you're going like, can't um, wait to do that? Not really. I don't know. I just want to win the... Oh, I want to do the preview draft. Hopefully we can do the preview draft. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, the promos. I want to win the promos. I want to do a preview draft and that's about it. I don't really care about. I think the method's too unpredictable to be like, oh, I'm going to do well. Yeah, there's a lot of, it seems like it's the era of counters. Yeah, <laughs> yes, for sure. Is there any like particular thing you don't want to see? Like, I think Iceman is the fastest thing. And I don't, I, there's a hard counter to Iceman. 
but I don't really want to put it on my team just to stop Iceman. Right, takes up your slot. Yeah. Also stops and picks it. Yeah, well, that's why I'm running Iceman today with Nova Corps uniform to hopefully discourage a lot of people from running Iceman. I do have another idea about how to counter it, but uh, it's, it's not as good as Nova Corps uniform. Right. Um, I would like to see a big swing team. That's what I would like to see. Like, uh, the Jezco sidekick team is kind of cool, like flying sidekicks almost. But I think something around like Dreadnought, something like that. Always solid. Yeah, Dreadnought and maybe Wong or something. I don't know, something that team up, maybe a team up team. Maybe. But I think Static Field should be around enough to stop it. Right. I hate Static Field. If I could do anything, get rid of that. All right. Here we go. We're getting called over. Woo! Round one begins in three, two, one, go. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know why I attacked. I just felt like attacking me. I was like, well, you've won next turn anyway. We are here, post 10 by 10, and I am with the top two finishers. We have Mr. Ben Scott, who took the grand prize home, and Nick Wally, who came in second. Both of them were running Iceman teams. Some very interesting situations in this game. A lot of technical gameplay going on. But first, guys, can you tell me about your teams? Ben, what were you running? Um, Iceman with a Poxwalker Parasite kind of alt win condition, uh, and then like Nova Corps uniform for tech. I also had Shriek and Mimic, uh, the forecast Mimic. I figured that would be a good way to lock down teams, but I didn't really need that too much. You were just muscling along, right? I didn't buy Mimic once, really, so I could have changed that for something else. What were your basic actions? Obviously, what, Magic Missile or, or and Canister? Res, yeah. Canister? Res and, I don't think it mattered, but I think it was Canister. Canister and Res? How yeah. about you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it was mere... Well, we played the same teams, but we had slight different variants, so it wasn't the speedy Iceman with Monier or Techno or any of that stuff. Did you um, find that that was too much of a double-edged sword for you? What was the reason for not There was a game, actually your game, yep. against me that I'm glad I did not have Techno because you could have knocked out my Iceman, but I feel like it was just overkill. Iceman has high damage potential, but it's capped per turn. Yes, it's yeah. not <laughs> the Atom, which I miss. Rest in peace. It's not a one-turn win, right? So... Yeah. I think it's interesting for Nick's team especially because he decided not to run Mjolnir or Techno. Did you have either of those? I had Mjolnir, yeah. So, you okay, could so do... it actually helped him, that extra it, card. It did, possibly. right? Yeah, and that kind of was interesting. Maybe once. I used the Clayface Global. And you also had the Blink, right? So that was kind of different. You had Blink yeah. to pull back Iceman, whereas I was relying on the Psychic Attack spin it down right yeah. no do you have you had blink or did you have um well, i had you Kate had, Bishop. Kate Bishop. yeah i decided not to do the mjolnir spin down shenanigans after so many games playing against ben online where he'd just knock out all my sidekicks first <laughs> right uh, sure. yeah so that was that and i decided to go with an alternate wincon too and hulk but never even got close to buying her all their alternate win condition but it costs Six, right? But there is something to be said about, you know, you want to swing with that Poxwalker anyway because you got to get to the attack step. He can be doing some nasty damage. You can apply. Yeah, there's a couple of I things mean? as well. So, there's a, yeah. So it's chipping, works. chipping, and hitting. It know? also works as a swarm, right? You can get a little bit of ramp sometimes, right. maybe. But Wrong also, energy to ping Iceman. But. Para Parasite also works for buffing Iceman. Right. So one of the defenses against Iceman is pinging him before the attack step. Right. I did have Yellow Lantern. But you would have to attack. My cheek too, you would have to attack with, with the Iceman. Ice so but that's fine. If you're buffing him up by like to seven yeah. attack. And you're close to that lethal anyway. Why they're not? probably going to block him, yeah. <laughs> right. If he has seven attack and ten defense, right. they're probably going to block him to do two damage rather than seven. All right. Well, I heard there was some interesting tactical play in this set. I was had to run back to the hotel to 
get Lucan's team. But tell us about, if you can do the step-by-play by play, guys, uh, who, who went first in this game? So Ben went first, but he probably had the worst rolls because he rolled Iceman on his turn three. And in the clay phase, we got set up pretty quickly. Turn one, I bought Shriek. Turn two, I bought Iceman and prepped both of them. And then turn three, I rolled a single bolt on both Streak and Iceman. Ouch. Yeah. But it actually kind of worked out, right? Because I bought a second Iceman. Yeah, that was a pain. I knew that second Iceman coming around was going to be on my clock. I played tactically against that. I was able to get Iceman on my first turn, and I did some swapping around to get a Novacore uniform, trying to cap his and right. prevent it. Did, uh, what, um, what level did you get your Iceman on? Do you remember? I haven't rolled a level one all day. Yeah, you were really lucky. You came matter. out bang, level three. <laughs> yeah, first roll every time all day has been Iceman on two or three, and bolts to just start. It was really when do you push the pedal to the metal or just coast into the victory line. Yeah, actually, funnily enough, against both Nick and Henry, who also had an Iceman team, I was bleeding. I, I was far behind in both those games and had to kind of just hold on enough to be able to do that final swing. Wow. Yeah, um, there, there is that moment of damned if you do, damned if you don't, like we had in our game, that, you know. That early <laughs> shriek, though, is really what uh, saved yeah, you. What, yeah, yeah, for I sure. I was sitting there and I was like, all right, I could ping out the shriek and maybe chip one damage and lose my Iceman. Yeah. So I had to just keep waiting and holding bolts and... There may have been yeah, a misplay. Did you ever buy a Shriek, or did you try to counter her that way? Or Three different dice all day. It was Iceman, obviously, a bunch of yellow lantern rings, and occasionally a Novacore uniform. That yellow lantern ring on this team was uh, sneaky good. <laughs> it kind of hurt me, though. I never needed it to intimidate. It's hard to make consistent, right, because you don't have that guarantee of fielding characters. Because you don't want to field Essentially, all you want to do is leave Iceman in the field, right. not field anyone else, right. and then just have that kind of constant flow. Yeah, I think Nick actually could have had lethal a couple of turns earlier. What what happened that you? So we need to watch the stream. What was what was your recollection? There was a couple of things. So he had a bolt, a mask, two fists, and a sidekick, and he had an ice man in the field who had three attack. This is all me being like remembering. I had a shriek on level two, so he could have spun the sidekick down to a bolt. Knocked out your shriek and tried and to push. Clayface in the yeah lantern had the things yeah. to ping off my shriek. Right. Pinged his Iceman once, and then, and then he had a Novacorp's uniform with fists, and he has Hulk oh, for the global. Right. So I was sitting there just being, please don't remember the Hulk global. Please don't remember the Hulk global. <laughs> I mean, you get so focused on the direct and, damage, yeah, right, and yeah. I have the blink. And, and you're also kind of worried about, the thing with Iceman against Iceman, you're worried about the swing back, right? Right. Like, if you swing with Iceman, you are... You're going to take two. If you've got Iceman on their side, you're going to take two. So what was the last play of the game? Interesting situation. Talk me through that. So you were, Ben, you were were the active player, correct? Yes. And what was the board state at the time? Starting the turn, I was seven, Ben was six. We got in, finally by the attack step, he had two Iceman to attack with. I had one to defend with. The big thing was that I rolled two Iceman and three sidekicks. And I rolled both Icemen on level three. Ooh, ouch, okay, well, you right. You always have to pay one to field. You do, but the fact they had both four attack. Nick, yeah, the yeah, four attack were, was yeah, important. Because you were sitting at seven. Exactly enough. Yeah. yeah, you got a block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was either. And then he had he had the block, but he pinged off my uh, Shriek, so that on the swing he could ping his own Iceman. Right. He pinged his own Iceman enough to take me down to two. Wow. I was able to ping my Iceman enough to get him down to five. Right. My Iceman went through unblocked for four. Right. And then Iceman 
well, kid each other. each other. So the question was like, is it a tie or who wins, right? That, that's yes. the first thing that goes through your mind. We just threw up our hands. We're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Doesn't get closer than that. I love it. Doesn't get closer than that, right? Was, I didn't really think about it. I just was like, oh, Nick's going to win next turn. I'll push, I'll get really close. Right. And then if he doesn't, I don't know, I don't know, I know what I was thinking really. And then I was like, oh wait, Iceman does his thing to each other. I was like, oh no, wait. How does this work? His yeah. Iceman does it to me. I'm the active failure, I go first, yeah. So. I guess. Or maybe that's one of those situations where it's it was technically no, yeah, tied. It was but, no you know. like me thinking, Oh look! Look how clever I am! I win because I'm an active player. I think it was, it was yeah. a fluke. I think it. Yeah, yeah, those are the best, though. You know, yeah, <laughs> through the thought process too of like, well, does he need to field the second one? Because he could initiate the yeah. attack step, try and clay face it in, get more bolts, and then I was like, you know what? And all day I did this. I was like, pass priority. Let them decide what they want to do, and I'll react. Right. Yeah, my other option was because I had the second ice man. Right. Well, I could let him go to use on the attack and bring him in. Would he have had it? I don't think so. Shy. I think you would have just been six. He was at because, seven, right? Because Iceman was four. Oh, attack. you would have to block, though. You would probably been in the exact same situation, right? It probably would have been the four attack. I don't think it mattered. That's two things. Yeah, I don't think it mattered. Kept a mask it wouldn't have mattered. Instead of fielding, and then you would bring him in for two yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have mattered. Well, I'm looking forward to watching this game posthumously, so to speak. Yes. We need to do team sheets for global escalation. Right. Well, I'll let you guys go. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to global. So, All right, I'm here with Mr. Two Yu-Gi-Ohs. Hello. <laughs> Finn Scott, who had just... Three sets of Yu-Gi-Oh. He won, he won Yu-Gi-Oh for winning this morning's 10x10, yeah. and now he's won another set of well, Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, when I knew Yu-Gi-Oh was the prize again, I had to go <laughs> he for could, it. He, he, They call him Mr. Pikachu here. <laughs> so, Pikachu, what was your team for this for this evening? Uh, it was just a Hope Colossus team, and I had Beholder Ramp, which is the Beholder Chalkboard Blue Eyes. Um, then alongside that, I had some tech pieces. I figured the Hope Dupe was a good combo when you have blue eyes. So you can just yeah KO and get I rid of it. I figured he would be running like Beholder, and I could use that Hope. I don't really need to use it, but the main piece that did wonders for me was Nefarious Broadcast. This saved me against Professor X. Interesting. Yeah. So he just shut down the Professor X. That's an yeah. interesting call. Cool yeah, call. Right. Yeah. But um, in theory, that card is just super good. I have Static Field, so my defense against big swinging things is Static Field. So theoretically, if they buy Nefarious Broadcast, they get around that. But most people who are playing those teams are playing Doom Cal. Right. So they're not yeah, going right. to bother with Nefarious with Broadcast. Bar- sure. And people don't realize how effective it is at shutting people off PXG RAM. Oh, it's, yeah, it hadn't occurred to me, but it's, it's tremendous. Because you've, you've got a PXG it. mostly on your opponent's turn, so you're stuck. And because the first two turns are generally so deterministic, like you know what you're doing, if I have Nefarious Broadcast, buy, I buy that turn one, then you're kind of like, okay, well, I can't now save masks. For, I mean, I also got very lucky with at least two of my opponents having PXG and not rolling masks yeah, for the first right. turn. PXG is such a powerful card because it lets you get stuff straight away. And like the other thing I had was Ronin, which is just... Stops all that one huge hitter. Against yeah. Matt Jordan, I play Matt Jordan, and I literally bought a Hope and four Ronins. Right, and so <laughs> Ronin PXG, is doing it, you can't do anything, PXG right? PXG sat there with Ronin, static fielded all his swingy characters back, and then right. it was just like two damage. Damage. That's the thing with Global Escalation. It's really hard to even conceive of a combat damage team without something like Nefarious Broadcast because you can basically get all your masks yeah. in every single time. I mean, I think I was lucky that there was no uh, turn three. I don't think anyone really ran a turn three, like, boom, consistent. No one ran, like, a fix-it or anything like that, right. which I think could have done some damage. I know uh, Lucan tried to run Dragons, 
and you need PSG yeah. ramp, right? And if yeah. I can stop your PSG in the first broadcast, you're done. I'm yeah. Screwed. Yeah. 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 So, how often would you say that nefarious broadcast was the thing that won every, the day, every game? Yeah. yeah. And it I was obviously game. the best one. Yeah. Actually, the only game I didn't buy in was the last game. Tell me a little I bit about the last game. Uh, Jake Hoffman, who is running the Green Lantern Hawk Girl, and he actually—we're talking about it—he had Blackbird. Right. So he was the only other person who'd really teched against PXG. So he didn't have it on team. But so we both played PXG all day. Right. And therefore, it didn't really matter that we teched against it. And my beholder gets kind of around. Blackbird, I mean, Blackbird isn't as effective against Blue Eyes. But it was interesting that we got to the top two final and were the ones who hated on PSG. Using that Beholder with Blue Eyes is such a nice combo because you yeah. don't even have to pay the cost of yeah. KOing something. Yeah. So your, your field yeah, just you, stays huge. And then you want to carry the Beholder, so you KO it then, and now you've got a four reduction right. as well as the chalkboard. <laughs> like one yeah. turn, I bought Colossus and Hope and had enough to PXG, so I get them both the next turn. Where were you doing most of your damage? I'm assuming just through just having the guys park on the field. Just closest and, yeah. and hope out, yeah. So you're lucky you didn't see any Green Devils too, but even that you could have yeah, just played Yeah, Green Devil, but it's only, if you get Hope and Colossus out, eight sure. damage. Yeah. Did you have a spin? Did you have anything to spin people up, or no. you just counted on rolling? Yeah, on the, but they still eight damage if there's just two of them. Yeah, as long as they're both level two yeah. or higher. Or higher. So you can just sit on eight damage for three turns, and then you win. <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, it's really... It's it's like, yeah, let's talk about parking on the couch yeah. and just yeah. <laughs> enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, I don't know, the Hope worked really well for me. Asterix, okay, sure. Troy was unhappy because he misplayed at the end and he also didn't roll very well so yeah my second and third opponents didn't roll any masks for Ooh, PSG yeah that kills you right out of the gate and then you were able to shut it yeah, down yeah and then anyway. I got so far ahead that yeah well that's global escalation you yeah, know, so much about it is the first two turns in I hope it hasn't ruined me for like on record he did outplay me <laughs> <laughs> congratulations Ben on another Thank victory you. we'll see you tomorrow I need to do something with that Yu-Gi-Oh set now yeah. <laughs> I want to quickly pop in here to apologize to Nick Wally because I interviewed him about his works team after the Global Escalation event, but I've somehow lost the audio to it. It was a really cool turn three kill team that he discovered while trying to speed up the Yandu Golem team he played at U.S. Nationals this year. He did a great write-up for it on the DM North site. Check our show notes for the link. Rollandthunder.xyz forward slash 201 for season two, episode one, no G, no apostrophe. <laughs> Basically, the idea was using old school PXG plus Clayface and Parallax as an engine by two of the two cost orc knobs, big choppas, that when a character die is KO'd, orc knob gets plus one A and plus two D, and two orc boys shootas. When orc boy is KO'd, if you control an orc character die other than orc boy, return Orc Boy to the field zone at level 1. So the idea is to roll for masks, turn 1, buy a 2-cost Orc Knob, which is a mask, then Clayface him in and PXG twice to move all four sidekicks to prep. Then turn 2, buy the two Orc Knobs and one more Orc Boy, save a couple masks or question marks to Clayface a couple times so that you can PXG four times and move all the sidekicks over and get ready for a massive turn 3. Nick was able to field all four of his characters with the help of Parallax and the boatload of energy, and combining it with DM Armana's idea of infinitely fabricating golems, let the KOing and Orc Knob buffing begin. After four fabrications, each Orc Knob is plus 8 plus 16, which if they can walk through is more than enough for lethal with the Orc Boys. And, of course, that's where Magic Missile comes in. Again, check out the DM North article about his team in his trip through the event for an in-depth discussion of it. 
Okay, so we're after the fan appreciation event, Friday evening here at Graceland, and I've got the great pleasure again of sitting down with WizKids' very own Jimmy O'Brien. Jimmy, can you share a little bit about some of the stuff that we saw tonight? So just just to focus on the Dice Masters, because you know that's your audience, we got to show off some of the WWE cards tonight. Asuka is a really different style of card, which if you can predict the die that you're going to pull out of your bag, you just get to field it for free at level three. It's really, really strong in a really, really narrow way, and I'm eager to see. You're smiling because I know you know exactly what scenarios you want to take advantage of this in, um, but you, you know you're still gonna roll her. So like it's it's the, it's tough. So that's that's one of the big cards that we showed off for WWE. Also, Becky Lynch is really, really strong. So it's the Rip Hunter Chalkboard Global that you're gonna get access to the die super fast. And then for five, she's got enormously beefy stats and Overcrush. She's the man. She's got another ability. I'm driving. It's, it's Storm Wind Rider. Rider. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Wind Rider. What's so the love about yeah. that card? So, like, this this card is going to be huge. It's going to be an archetype, probably. I'm really excited to see what people do. The, the other two versions of Becky Lynch are good, but I don't know that they can compare to just the... It's interesting how you guys sometimes put, like, such great abilities on one set of cards. You know, like, you've got those Constantines where you don't see the other ones played that often besides the Hellblazer, but the other two are really good cards, you know? Anti-Hero has a special place in a certain metagame, and I'm surprised Anti-Hero doesn't see more play in Global Escalation. Sure. Like, their action dice are good there, and so is he, but... Also, the new um, Dark Phoenix Saga set got moved up, right? Yeah. And also, there's a mask taunt now, unlimited. Yeah, so there's a mask taunt in Infinity Gauntlet, yeah. On the Doctor Strange card, yeah. Doctor Strange. Strange. Who, who, by the way, it it costs four and has a top face of eight, nine. Yeah, so he's a beat stick, too, you know? (laughs) Huge, huge beat stick, but he's three to field, so... And his energized ability isn't bad, so like even if you're not getting the like five five of the six faces are good really. So can you talk to me a little bit about the release schedule that's coming? I know I've got a couple of questions yeah. about like when can we start expecting to see the first set of draft packs? What's a reasonable zone that one we can expect? Um, I think February is reasonable. If it's if it's really, you know, March, it's still Q one of twenty twenty. But by the spring we could be we could be yeah. seeing draft packs. You're gonna have one if not two sets of draft packs in hand for Origins next year. And I think awesome. that's, that's the awesome thing. And in the case of Avengers, Infinity Gauntlet, people have practiced with them at home and then get to do all sorts of stuff in Origins, which is really the ideal situation. So I, I noticed that the Spider-Man set was not talked about at all. Is there like a release date for that that we know of? Or There's delays, and we just have a tendency that when we're not certain what the release date will be, we don't want to continually move it, move it, move it. We don't know what's going to happen right now, and we'll see for later. And, and when is the next set coming out? You can see D&D 4. WWE, Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, and Dark Phoenix Saga. Spider-Man just is, kind of has a question mark next to it right now, so... As to whether or not it will ever exist. <laughs> it's, it's very, very likely it will exist, uh, but... Yeah. So, having playtested some of this stuff, uh-huh. you know, are there are there any new kind of keywords or anything that you can share with us that, that might be coming uh, that are... So, uh, it's going to be a new keyword in Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, Rush, okay. that you are die. So, let's say Star-Lord has Rush. We'll have a qualifier on it. So it'll say like Rush Bolt. And then if you draw Bolt dice from your bag during your clear and draw step, along with Star-Lord, you'll get to draw extra dice. Cool. It, it's kind of like Swarm, but it, it kind of promotes playing certain teams together because, you know, Rocky Raccoon is a Bolt guy, and he's one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And maybe, you know, Groot also wants you to have Rocky Raccoon on your team. And so the, those dice that you're buying in the early part of the game that you have multiples of 
are going to reward you with these beefier guys letting you ramp a little bit for having them, which is cool. Any other uh, new mechanics that were not in the, the um, presentation? So you guys got to see Tag Out during Origins, so yeah. that's not new even though it wasn't in the presentation. And you guys saw Recruit during Origins, which is still going to be something people see outside of the Spider-Man stuff that it was revealed as part of. Well, what, 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 is the, what is Recruit again? Recruit is when... So if, if I have a Daredevil with Recruit sidekick, and he attacks you and he's unblocked and he deals you damage... You're going to get to take a sidekick die from your one of your visible areas, so your prep area, your use pile, or your reserve pool, and field it at level one. Wow, okay. And so it's it's nice because one of the problems with Dice Masters is I hit you with my guy, but now I lost a lot of board position. And so now if I'm able to recruit people, I can really convert things. So I can convert damage to you into maybe a slight upgrade in board position that I replaced my attacker with a control piece. I manipulated the situation versus just strictly lost position. Or even if I lose position, having a sidekick as a blocker is good. It's no substitute for maybe a three-defense daredevil, but you know maybe I get to chump block somebody. Sounds like that might play well with the WWE stuff too because it's promoting a lot of combat damage, which seems like things are coming down the pike. Which is you know a nice change of pace. Yeah, you know, yeah. such direct There's damage so meta recently. Control or combo stuff or direct damage. Getting to do all these interactions with the combat tricks is really nice. And you know, we're probably going to see more call out, tag out, recruit, overcrush, just even like attack pumps. You know, where do you put them and when? The playtesting had people really like mind betting around tag out, and so this other stuff is going to make it more fun. There's going to be some action hate as always. Was there any other card that you saw today that made your eyes? Pop, Luke, and there was oh, one. Oh, I know let, there was. Let me look. Let me look. I, I took pictures of everything. Well, Volo well, was Volo's cool. Volo sick. was really well, cool. Volo's gonna be. Volo's gonna be sick. And Volo's. Uh, it, it's really fun and thematic that it's like build this big team of people who want to go on an adventure, and if they can't get you, Volo will. Because <laughs> like he 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 survived to write the guide. Like he's gonna be sneaky good. I think. There is. Oh, yeah. here this this dude was pretty cool. Uh, Manchun has uh, experience, and while Manchun is active, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, when you use a global ability, deal one damage to target opposing character die. So it basically, just gives you can global gives, and board clear at the yeah. same time, almost. You know, it's, it's really good yeah. Target. He he's gonna be able and he's gonna be able to build some experience tokens by by killing stuff. I think the, it, it's fun that D and D has that like that momentum to a lot of what happens. It'll be fun to draft all these things together and yeah, like put the sure. put all the stuff together. The two costs with no fielding cost. <laughs> as well, which is it's pretty yeah, cool. He's coming in. Anything else, Luke? Inside with well, well, there's Jerry Lawler, yeah, um, ringside announcer. Has the ability global pay a fist, target blocked or blocking superstar, deals oh, double yeah. damage, oh, and yeah. uses this ability only once per turn. With Overcrush, that that can get stacked really quickly. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna stack really quickly, and it's it's gonna explode what's going on. Oh, the new yeah. Becky Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. You just stack it up with Cone of Cold, and then slap that on there. That's easy twenty. <laughs> easy yeah. twenty. Uh, Turk Barrett. Was also yeah. really cool. Good. The art on that is cool yeah, too. Uh, the art is super cool. The, so, as a reminder, everybody at home, all of the cards in the draft packs are going to be full art from now on. The, the I guess the exception is the textless cards, which are just like even extra beautiful, just uninterrupted art. We had a lot of great help picking out the the pictures for those cards. Turk is doing a lot of stuff. He's a, a complicated dude doing his thing in, in and around Hell's Kitchen and the Netflix series. And so when he's got the Infinity Gem, he's doing all sorts of fiddly stuff with damage and energize. And while he's active and when you spend energy certain ways, with so much energy stuff going on in the set, it's neat 
that you get a bonus for spending energies of certain types in certain ways. You know, you want you want to have masks instead of question marks. We haven't seen a lot of that since Warlight, so it's it's cool that it's back. And, and he has a new affiliation, right? What, what I don't know what uh, that is, but the Infinity Watch. Okay. Okay. So he's one of like basically Doctor Strange's guys who are trying to keep the Infinity Gems away from bad people like Thanos and Gamora and whoever else. Never trust Turk, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't. You can't trust. You can't trust Turk. He's got Energize. You may deal one damage to target character die. And while Turk Bear is active, when you spend a Mask Energy to use a global ability or field a character die, deal one damage to target character die. So it's like Manchun, but even better. I love seeing the new Investigation Full Art card too. Oh yeah, yeah it looks that. really good. And so these these cards are just like exciting to look at. But like it, it's weird because it's not super news. Uh, it's just it's just fun to see them. And we also saw a Nihilor. I think is how that's pronounced. I still don't know. It has the global pay a mask, and then once per turn, KO one of your own character dice, which is opponent's turn removal. Opponent's turn removal. So there's a lot of shenanigans that's like bringing back blue eyes in a way without the discount, but the possibility of KOing on your opponent's turn is is big. Yeah, but it's also one of those interesting cards that it reads as bad to a beginner. And so it, it's, it's always neat to deliver that experience of people learning something when they play the expert. Because it's not like, oh, this guy just punched me and I don't know what happened. You're like, oh, I get it now. Right. And, and when KO'd abilities had a moment in the sun that haven't been around because there hasn't been a global like that, which gives that another way of kind of playing. In fact, I want to talk about, real quick, that's just talking the overall meta. I mean, one of the things that's exciting about the game is it's constantly evolving and changing. And, you know, if you took a year off, you come back, it feels like you almost have an entirely different game. What kind of thought process is going on behind the scenes, you know, in terms of keeping the game fresh and alive and, and metamorphosizing? So I think the designers are just going through a process of what have we done? Should we do that something similar again or should we do something different? And they're just creative and they're working through their process. I think it's, as much as I think Dice Masters is special and fun, I think that's just how a lot of collectible games work, that there's an underlying role system and flavor that's enjoyable. And so everything else is subject to change. And so give it a year, give it however long, and you'll recognize patterns, but you're not going to be playing the same thing. Otherwise, like, why would you go out and get the new stuff? Right. Yeah, and if you don't like the meta now, stick around. You'll like it probably yeah. in six months. It, the, the smallest thing can have the hugest impact. Like, Dice Master Team errated one card, and the meta is completely different now than it was three months ago. Well, not completely different, but it's different. It's, it's significantly different. It's, it's, it's substantially different. And, like, that's, that's neat that you can just kind of pull on one thread and the tapestry changes. All right. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Good night. Thank you. All right, we're back in the room post the first day's events, Friday. It's late. I'm whooped. I don't know about you, Lucan, but I'm feeling pretty tired. I am so tired. It's quite late, and I've been up late the past few nights before this because I'm a junior in high school, so I had to do all the work in advance. I was up all night like the past few nights before this, and now I'm still up all night because <laughs> I'm very apprehensive about tomorrow, and I thought I knew what I was going to run, but then my dad, he just figured something out, and now... It's throwing a huge wrench in my plans. So I'm very not confident. I want to run the thing that I like running and just see if I can make it work, even though it's hella janky. But it's fun. So we'll we'll see if I can make it work. How about yourself? Well, you said this earlier, and I agree. I mean, I'm really feeling the lack of playtesting big time. Not just in the fact that we haven't even picked out a team, and here it is, you know, past midnight, is it? It's late. Um... <laughs> 
and we still don't really have a team. But just, I, you know, I was rusty today. You know, I was making small misplays and not doing things right and just out of practice. It was fun to play with everybody today. And, and you finished, what, top three in... I finished third in the 10 by 10 with a Dreadnought team. One of the games went on stream. And I finished seventh uh, in the Global Escalation. The, the Global Escalation one was a little bit frustrating because... In the first game, I played Laurier, and my Ring of Winter just would not roll. But that was the break. Anyway, so, you know, I think I finished sixth in the Global Escalation. So we were both top eight. We, I mean, I was four and one in Global Escalation, but I had a bye, so I was down at the bottom of that thing of the four and oneers and you know we played some good games really good games fun people to play with some i thought some super creative interesting brews my hat's off to everybody you know we'll see how it goes tomorrow i'm, I'm not expecting much but uh, hopefully he'll have a good time uh yeah no i'm i'm screwed <laughs> there you have it folks see you tomorrow well we're standing here between the end of swiss and the beginning of top eight for Worlds. We just finished the Swiss. We're waiting to find out the pairings. And I am here with the Mississippi Dice Masters crew. Uh, we're going to go down the line. Can you all introduce yourselves, please? Sure. Uh, Caleb Rogers. Ian Porter. Charles Wally. Brooks Ward. Pete Hicks. Dwayne Sagely. Right on. Well, tell us about the Dice Master scene in, in Mississippi. Where is it happening? Obviously, you guys are doing well. It's fantastic. Well, where we are, there's no competitive scene. There's no stores. There's nothing offering anything. And uh, actually, me and Charlie kind of fell into the game three, three years ago. For me and him, it was just a tabletop game for years. And about a year and a half ago, we pulled in Dwayne and Pete. Right. And they started playing with us, and in the last six months or so, we got Caleb and Brooks in here with us, and it's just kind of, you know, we, we've got one big collection we pull from, and we just have fun every Thursday night. That's awesome. It's such a great game, and it's, I, you've got six people. I can't believe there isn't... Are you guys near a metro area with some game stores uh, and stuff, and nobody will be willing to carry it and put it out for you? We got Memphis, and uh, the closest store that's going to carry anything is about an hour from where we are. And when they went to uh, LCG, the... The scene died, so there's they're willing to get us stuff, but an hour away, it's almost easier to just carry stuff online. To play at home. There's, I know a couple other people in other areas where they've had you know a long distance to travel. Sometimes, if you can make a deal with the store, you can host the events at your house, but still have the store backing you up with prize support and everything else. And you, if you buy from the store, they're happy to do that. You know, yeah. you might want to check that out. We might have to look that out. We were yeah. talking about how we could maybe host something or, or get something like that figured out. Yeah. That's a good and idea. And then maybe like once a year, you go in and you play your big one in the store. You know, yeah. that was actually a goal that we've had coming in today was to try to figure out how we can, in our area, host tournaments to try to bring in more people. Yeah. But well, what'd you guys run today? Uh, I've got a collector with heavy control and Firefly. I was a little skeptical, but it's been doing the job, so we're... What was your record okay. in the end of the day? I am 4-1-1 right now. You're in, probably. Looks like it. I ran a um, collector Navi control team. Rolls didn't go my way in some of them, so I ended up 3-3. Three and three. Right, on, right on the outside. Very, very, very respectable. See, I had three wins, two losses, and one tie. I was running uh, Venerable Dreadnought with the range team, hoping to get the Bateri Battle Stacks and Doppelgangers buffing each other, which, when I rolled it right, worked well. When I didn't roll it right, worked very poorly. It's a big, that's a, that's a lot of body coming at you. And I ran the uh, the Morph Boom Boom combo with Betrayal, and uh, it went well. It went all right. I just... Mine doesn't have enough defense, so it kind of it can get annihilated sometimes. This game, the best thing about power of this game is, you know, it comes down to you roll well or you roll don't roll well, and so I did not roll so well today. Well, the big question is, did everybody have a good time? I mean, well, yeah, ultimately, you know, 
It's yeah. fun. I recommend anybody come. These things are great. Right? They are. They're great. And it's been fun seeing the different teams play. Like, I, out of the whole weekend, I think I've run up against the same team twice. And it's right. been nice. It's and, wide open right now. And everybody's been so nice. People from other countries, California, a lot of Texas people, everybody we played has been extremely nice. A lot of them would teach you stuff you didn't know just because they, they've done things you haven't done before. But it was a lot of fun. Right on. Well, thank you guys for taking the time, and congratulations. Yeah, you know, our top eight and all that. So, signing off. In no particular order now. I just have them in the pairings. I don't know who's what, okay? Read them in a weird Use your teacher voice. I'm going to read them in a random order. I'm going to read them in a random order. I'm going to read them in a random order. He's reading them in a random order. Thank you. Someone cover that. Read them in a random order. Here you go. Troy Miller. Ben said Scott. Yes. Robert Levier, Robert Levier, Matt Jordan, Jacob Hoffman, Greg H, Ian Porter, Laurier. I believe I counted to eight. So we're sitting here after cut to top four, and I'm sitting here with Craig Hubner, who just played one of the most epic matches I think I've ever seen. I had the great pleasure of watching all the second game, and then it went to turns, and it went beyond turns. It was a beyond turns game. I was sitting across the table from Jimmy. We'll get to some other thoughts later, but Craig, first of all, tell me what you were running today, and then let's talk about this, this match. Yeah, well, and so I want to attribute nothing positive to what I was running. <laughs> I ran the Iceman team that I had run essentially in Nationals, didn't know how to really play it then, and kind of had some people help me understand how to do it, and then I really didn't know how to brew anything else decent, so I just kept my Nationals team. Right on. Well, you were experienced with it, so great. Yeah. But right, it, it's, you can't go wrong with Iceman. He's tough, man. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it just doesn't feel like the best team to Top use. Team but, All right. so, so the nice thing was with this matchup, Troy was running the really good um, control of Globals with Polaris from the new X-Men campaign box and, and with Hope Summers also so that he could, if he didn't have Polaris to control, he could hope. And the thing that really helped me in the match was having a Jubilee, I don't know what her subtitle was, but when you field her, she does two damage to a character or an opponent, and it's that Jubilee Wandra. Yeah. And so in our first game of the match, I bought a couple of the Jubilees, and when they fielded, they were able to check his Hope Summers or Polaris that were out there, get them off so that I could open up Globals again. So he was only able to roll his Polaris on level one. And yeah. so. And Troy was also thinking about, I mean, his A strategy probably was to use Hope to copy Boom Boom and then just do that quick thrown brick damage, right? Correct. Was but he ever able to get into that or was he just on the back foot with Iceman? From the he was, that was the problem is that I lucked out completely was able to really get my Icemen essentially turn three-ish, turn four maybe, I can't really remember, but on their level three face. So right away he faced Iceman at the biggest possible, worst threat, and so he really did have to use those Polarises for the controlling of the Globals. And so he just didn't have enough speed to keep up with you. Well, that's what I think now. So you won game one, did it feel uh, like a normal length it game? Felt like a normal length game. So yeah. so then you had another, say, 25, 30 minutes to play the game two. Yeah. And that was a fascinating game to watch. Take us through yeah. that if you can remember. Oh, and you know what? I'm so sorry. One of the other things that did happen in our first game of the match, and I apologize for going back, no Troy was really relying on thrown brick for his boom boom. 
Well, with just one thrown brick bot, I had a turn where it just really didn't go well for me energy-wise, and so I bought his other two thrown bricks. And once I took those from him and he only had one, that's really what let me win game one because I was using his thrown bricks with my Jubilee. I could control his characters, get him out of the field. And then once we moved into game two, he, because of going first after the loss, he absolutely, with the Clayface Global, bought two of his thrown bricks first play. He did that against me when I played him, and it was a wise move because I was eyeing him, but I didn't win the roll-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he got those right away. And so with those thrown bricks, the boom boom going, Heaven Polaris and Hope Summers, the game was controlled enough to be a draw until turns, and then it took within the five turns to be able to have enough damage for Troy to win that game, giving us one game each in a best of three match. That was well past time. It was a fascinating game to watch. There were a couple of critical moments in the game I want to take you back from, from a spectator point of view when I was watching. There was one moment you were up at one point. You had gotten him down to seven with some heavy Iceman damage. Yeah, and I had and like 16-ish. And you were 16 or 17, yes. something like yeah. that. And he had this opportunity. He had a boatload of actions coming. He was using the Supreme Intelligence Global to really get his actions over there. And he had ones that could prep themselves pretty well. And if he copies Boom Boom with Hope, it can really fire off in huge chunks of four damage to pop and sometimes when he gets a Fiante out there as well it's five damage every time an action fires so I saw this moment in his head it was really interesting I was wondering what was going through your head when you saw this but he had hope coming out he had boom boom in the field I don't think there was a Yanti. I think Yanti rolled on double bolts at that point in time but he could have fielded his hope and named he had Polaris out there already but a level one Polaris right yes. had two two in your bag you had one of your Jubilees kind of waiting in there I think you had five dice in the bag you had a really bad pull at one point in time yeah. I think it really hurt you bad because you yeah, had a die, the earlier pull you could have pulled you had five dice in the bag and you pulled everything but the Jubilee you pulled the Chwinga instead and I think that might have been the that pull might have cost you the game but anyway he made it I thought a really smart savvy play he would instead of fielding hope and copying Boom Boom, which I think most people would do, right? Yeah, he, hats down. off to him, he realized that he didn't have enough, that if he, he, if Jubilee rolled, you could get him off and do that last seven damage probably pretty quick. And so he fielded his hope and named Polaris. So it was very difficult to get both Polaris's. Do you remember that moment? Well, here's the problem for anybody that really is listening, not for you, Orange. I didn't think anything, man. I didn't know what was going on. I, you know, whatever he did, I was gonna react to, Orange. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not good enough of a player to think that way. Well, you say so, that, but the funny thing is you were coaching Troy through how to beat you. Was, if you've ever played Craig, he's so generous. He's like, no, 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 you can ping me off like this, and then you can clay face and bring in two more bolts and ping me off. See, here's how you do it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I did say that, but I always say that stuff because it's like, wow, I it's cool. I think it looks good, yeah. but maybe I'm kind of missing something. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, it looks like it might work. I don't know. Yeah, you had a couple of so, terrible pulls and rolls right towards the end of that game. You know, all you had to do was draw and you would have won, but it yeah, was down to the very last turn. But to have he won on the very last turn by one point, which made it 2-2, yes. two -two, yes. which brought you guys into this overtime. And there's been a lot of debate over previous worlds and other things. When this happens, what do you do next? 
And the official rule, I don't think it was fair. I was sitting across from Jimmy, and I told it to him, and hopefully it gets changed. But it's five turns, no turn zero. So whoever wins that roll-off has a huge advantage. He gets three turns, and the other guy only gets two. And if there isn't a prep global and you don't roll a sidekick, you can't even put anybody in the field, right? Yeah, so yeah. the roll-off happened. You guys rolled a character, and Troy yeah. won the roll-off, right? Troy won the roll-off fair and square. And so I actually don't have any issues with the five turns. I, I do understand how frustrating it could be at times. It just doesn't seem fair. I mean, in terms of, like, both guys should get equal amounts of turns. That's my feeling. Well, amen. And I think the only reason why I would not say it's unfair right now is just because of the situation that happened in this match with Troy that was so awesome it was really cool to see him come back from the grave like that to have him in his five turns have what happened so that there is no way i would complain about the five roll turn it it was it was a great play across the board it it was such an enjoyable game to watch it was like you know i'm watching like McEnroe connor's baby it was really fun (laughs) it was amazing because to have somebody rolling seven dice because he was able to use the supreme intelligent effectively to move dice over to the prep and i thought there was a thrown brick momentum he was able to use momentum he had a hail mary with momentum that 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 won him the final game it was if you haven't had a chance to watch supreme intelligence played i would recommend watching troy's games on stream because he really is a master at using he used that really really well yeah i thought oh it was perfect and then on his fifth turn he has five character dice to field against an opponent that has nothing it was awesome because all i was able to do with my rolls was save up bolts for canister had one question mark for a a global that was on static field where i could return an attacker and so sitting on three bolts and a mass for static fields it's like okay i think i'm but how frustrating is it you think if you had won that roll off first turn Iceman, and then you're good to go right (laughs) no no i don't even i don't know how to think that way because it was so great watching Troy do that, that it was it was a great way to end the match. It was awesome. It was awesome. Awesome game. And congratulations for making top eight again. I think you yeah. played fantastically today, Craig. Yeah. And it's, uh, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time. Thank you. Do you guys have a moment to talk about the, the game that we just sure. did this year? All right. Well, I'm sitting here with Rob and Mr. Laurier after a very exciting top four match. Yes. So, guys... First of all, tell me about your teams. I, I was impressed by both builds here, and if you could tell me about your team and, and, and where your ideas came from, the genesis of them. If, we'll start with Rob here. Okay, well, I've got Iceman coupled with Mjolnir and Techno, and the Throne Brick action, magic missile action. I also have Collector on here. The Collector was added to help combat any teams that had Norman Osborn. So, and it worked very well. Any Norman Osborne team I faced, I was able to use their Norman Osborne against them. And the team has performed very well. I uh, took it to Canadian Nats, faced off with Laurier yet again. And uh, the team did well, so I have no complaints. This was, this was a, a, good, a good game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the same team you ran at Canadian Nats, or is there any changes? It's very similar. Uh, I had the new Mimic on there, which I removed for Songbird. So intimidating three cost, right? Three cost, intimidating with a purchase cost four or less. 
which I could bring in with Collector to take anything out like Black Widow Agent or Shriek to help me get my Iceman damage in. Nice, nice. Well, congratulations on getting to top four here. And Mr. Loria, you just took this match. It was a fun match to watch. You've got one of these great combo teams that when it comes off, it's really a fun thing to behold. So tell me about the team and tell me about your inspiration and how you came upon it. I, th I thought it was really extremely well teched out to deal with Iceman in particular. Okay, well, the team is uh, essentially a, using a combination of Wong with Atlantis, the, the two-cost Wong that is an ally with Atlantis that allows you to draw and roll dice whenever you field sidekicks. So that's the base idea. To complement it, uh, Supreme Intelligence for the global, because you pay two to any die of a purchase cost two or less from your use pile to your prep once per turn. So I would use that to bring Atlantis to prep and keep going and going and going with that ramp, which just allows you to go through your bag so easily and churn through everything and get a big board. And also put in Black Widow, the Widow's Bite, that your other character dies has plus one attack whenever she's fielded, because I'm going to end up with a huge field. I'm going to go for numbers here. So this team was actually similar to one that I ran for the two-team takedown, the recent one, it inspired very strongly by Peter Jezik, who eventually won that tournament. Uh, and Matt and I both knew we wanted to run that kind of team, so we tested together, worked out the kinks. We ended up putting Shriek for obvious reason, because she's Shriek. Professor X, obviously, for sidekicks. Green Devil Mask, so that if I if my opponent walls up, I can just thin that wall down really quickly. And Sam Wilson, which is the tech piece against Iceman. Now, that is there for its global pay shield, prevent the damage to target character, die, or player. This was especially intended for matchups where Iceman brings Clayface, because I could just Clayface in my Atlantis, which is a shield-type die, and have a bunch of shields to try to mitigate most of the damage that would come my way. So between Green Devil Mask, which is a mask character, which can help you if it misrolls, you can at least use Clayface to bring in your two-cost Atlantis, so you got plenty of shields. I thought it worked really well. In the game I was watching here, there were a couple times where Rob, first blush, you think, ooh, he's got a lot of damage, and then you realize, nah, not really, there's a lot of shields in there. So, you know, I see the Iceman player salivating, and then Samantha Willison just kind of puts up her shield, and then that's it. So we basically took off a good chunk of the summer. And during that period of time, it seems like Supreme Intelligence has really raised its ugly face and made itself felt in the meta. Tell me about Supreme Intelligence, how you used it. I thought both you and Troy and Matt have been playing that superbly, and it's been fun to watch. Well, thank you. Okay, so Supreme Intelligence, the thing is, you can use it during your turn, during your opponent's turn, and it's because it's generic energy that it takes, it's a great way to deal with spare energy that you just can't use. And also, because I would, for example, use Supreme Intelligence with Atlantis, say I would be up against an opponent that brings Clayface. Turn one, Wong, Clayface, Wong. You've seen that play a thousand times, I'm sure. Then turn two, Atlantis, Clayface, Atlantis. Then on my opponent's turn, Clayface in one Atlantis, use Supreme Intelligence, bring the other Atlantis over to prep. I've bought two Atlantis and two Wongs, and turn three is just about to start. I've even sometimes tried for the turn two play if I go second, where I buy Atlantis and prep it immediately. Then on my turn two, I buy a Wong and I, I use Atlantis. Then I feel the psychic immediately with my Professor X to immediately get the engine going. No one expects a big turn two attack or a big setup turn even sometimes. Just, okay, I've got three psychics and two Wongs and over to you. <laughs> You know, no one, no one expects that. Honestly, combat damage needed to be more aggressive than burn, and I think this team did that. That's the way to do it. Yeah, and I want to just take a moment to tip the hat to Peter Yezik because uh, his, his influence has been felt here. I mean, everybody's put their own spin on some of some really kind of cool ideas. I mean, he introduced this, I think, 
one big weekend he had a fish team that that made a splash so to speak and uh, I really like what you've done with it. You guys have done. You put a kind of a Canadian touch on it. So uh, hats off to both of you guys. Thank you guys for taking the time, and uh, good luck in the top two here. And may your rolls go your way. Thank you. I'm standing here in the corner of the Graceland Exhibition Hall. The loser's corner. Well, no. Yeah, I guess I'm here, so I guess technically you're right. Hey, I was, I was top five last year at Worlds. I'm top four. I'm fourth this well, Moving on Third up. or fourth. I don't know which one, but uh, yeah. Moving on Moving up. On well, I, congratulations to you, Troy. Thank you. Troy Miller here, also known as Yort. Sorry, I'm breaking your secret code there. No problem. <laughs> uh, Everybody should have it by now. Yeah. But... First off, congratulations. Very impressed with your build and even more so with your piloting. Tell me about your team, first of all. I'm sure everyone's curious. And then maybe we can get into just the origins sure. and genesis and how you kind of found your way to this team. Yeah. Well, I always used to, there's a, there's a local guy back home, David, that always used to love running uh, cuckoos, stepper cuckoos. And I love that too. And I really loved, you know, fielding the cuckoos and making them do it and doing it again and all that sort of stuff. And so we were just playing around a few uh, months ago and he's sort of getting back into the game after a little while away, and he wanted to bring out that team, and so he was playing the Cuckoos, and it was just fun. I mean, it's just a fun team, making them unfield things. So then, you know, we started talking about Worlds. How about real quick, just so for the people who are oh, yes. doing the thing, we were talking about the uncommon Stepford Cuckoos from the Deadpool set, right? Yes. And if you could remind people what the ability yes. was. When there. you field the Stepford Cuckoos, both of you have to remove a character from the field into your prep area. So typically, you move your Cuckoo back, and they have to get rid of one of their characters into their prep area. Yeah. And then if you have momentum on the team, maybe you'll do that again. And it's fun removal that way. Super fun. I remember nearly a melee at our local scene because somebody tried to combo that with Casey Sandsmark, Wonder Girl. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not yeah, sure it works, yeah. but it's one of those, you know, Casey problems. But anyway, so it sounds really cool. And so go on. Yeah, so uh, so he played that and then we started talking about Tessie. He was gonna help me test for, for worlds because I was talking about going. And actually, he might have been taking that team. He wanted to take a team to Gen Con, I think. And he looked at it, and he's like, this this isn't too far from modern. Like, you know, a little t- couple tweaks, we can make this modern. And so he did that, and I play-tested with him for a few times, and it, it worked really well. It was it was really fun. And, you know, there's other people that have been doing the whole Boom Boom thing. And uh, he started out with the Attune. He had uh, the Zatanna on there to make Attune characters, added the Wong as a sidekick. And so he would have Boom Boom, Wong, and all that stuff. But then eventually we got to, you know, obviously Hope is an easy add-on there. Step us through the team, exactly. The yeah, so uh, the, the main thing is to get the bricks early. Throw in brick when you do a damage to a, a character. As long as that character's not KO'd, you get to prep it. So you get to do it again next turn, hopefully. And you get to prep another die from your bag, so you're churning through your bag and ramping. With the Boom Boom, she does two damage for her basic actions. And then for the other, any attuned character, they do one damage. And so you could be doing, you know, three damage per brick, maybe four. That's once you get Hope out there, she copies Boom Boom, that's four per brick. You get another attuned character, that's five per brick, that goes pretty fast. Especially if you've got two bricks, they're cycling back next turn, you know. Really and you can also use it as removal. So say somebody throws out a bishop, say goodbye, bishop, yes, right? Exactly, yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's kind of scary how good the removal is when you can do that two damage to any character that's out there. So the real key, I think, to the team came as we were going along 
and I don't remember which one of us found it. We probably, I think we found it both at the same time, but the Supreme Intelligence Global fit in really well with that team because everything was two cost. Once we got to boom, boom, two cost, Yuanti, two cost, you know, it, it, it's really easy to move. Throne brick is two cost. You can move those over. So I was just talking to Laurier about this because he's also using Supreme Intelligence, yeah. using it for Atlantis to get that over and using it or his Wongs. And, you know, it seems like, you know, we went on vacation and came back and suddenly Supreme Intelligence is, you know, yeah. reared his ugly green head. Yeah. And uh, so did that just kind of appear during these last couple months or yeah, it was like... That's kind of where we landed because you got to figure out what to do with all the different meta pieces out there. you got Green Devil Mask flying around everywhere. At that time, the energy field was still in play. So you've got the Atom, but you're also pairing that with Storm, who's re-rolling things. And so what we what we discovered is with the Supreme Intelligence Global, and maybe even with Clayface, if he's around, if, if you miss your roll, if your thrown brick doesn't roll, if you get Green Devil masked and things go to the use pile, you can Supreme Intelligence maybe once on my turn, maybe once on, on your turn, and get those pieces back really quickly. Because there's nothing worse, as I found out in that last game, you know, nothing worse than none of your bricks rolling, and now your ramp is destroyed, your bricks are gone, you know, all that. So that that's what killed me in that last game. My bricks didn't roll, and it just sort of stopped me, and I was, you know, couldn't go any faster. Yeah, it was a shame that, you know, because ha- having seen your team play up close and personal and watching it really fire, it, it's a kind of a joy to behold them. I, I didn't see your first match with Ben. I came in and watched the second yeah. one. I know it's on the stream. So I'm hoping that if folks tune in that they get a sense of kind of yeah. what, what is possible with it. Any advice for people who are trying to use the Supreme Intelligence Global in general? Is there any kind of like watch out for this or try this or yeah. pl- practice with this? Any way to practice with it that you would think? What, what well, would you say? This is a great team to practice with it just because there's so many different pieces that can be moved. The real trick, the real thing that drains your brain a little bit is the transition zone and making sure that things are available to Supreme Intelligence. So this last game, I made one misplay. In, I mean, it didn't matter in the end, but I'd wanted to get my throne back, back over, but it wasn't in the use pile. And I was like, oh, crap, you know, so that I needed to get it into the use pile so that on his turn I could have supremed it over and, and hopefully gotten a few things going and, and that sort of thing. So. There's so much of that kind of play right now, especially with Clayface and all this stuff. And manipulating your use pile is a whole new kettle of fish, yeah. so to speak. Sorry and for I just the pun. let other people bring Clayface today um, So when they, because I didn't really need it as much as other teams did. But when they did bring it, all those two costs are easier to get. And, and basically Supreme Intelligence becomes a one cost, you know. Yeah, we played each other at the end of Swiss, and the winner would get into the top eight, and I brought Clayface, and boy, was that my undoing. I just got, you were just able to you just get everything you needed every single time, and then a little more so. So it was it was the sight to behold. That's where momentum came in, too. I mean, because momentum can be a little bit of a surprise, you know, for just for that last little bit, and it did save my bacon a couple times today. When I watched you play Craig at yeah. the end, that momentum play at the end, you were on your last legs, and if you had had momentum and you roll the last thing so you got just enough damage to get in that was an awesome spike to watch and so it is a little dangerous sometimes because you only get the one roll but the other thing is it's a one cost and so especially if play faces out there you've got a one cost that's a two generic energy for supreme intelligence it feeds that it allows you to supreme intelligence the thing that you want to do because you can use that energy instead of what's in the use pile so one of the things i really liked about it you know from trying the hope boom boom team a little bit the only problem with it is that you get such a junky bag, right? I mean, it's not yes. junk. You've got a lot of good stuff, but yeah. you really want to have boom, boom, at least boom, yeah. boom in the field. Hopefully hope. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, a, and the Supreme Intelligence allows you to just jump right past that to get her back, exactly. even if yeah. something goes wrong. Yeah, and so that's why, I mean, Ben's a great player. He, he, I, I made the right call in shooting his mimic, because he, he hates that, first of all, yeah. so that's that's a win. But, it, you know, it kind of messes with his ramp and makes him do something else. But then, uh, you know, him coming back and shrieking my boom boom does the same thing to me. You know, and, I, and the Supreme Intelligence helps him reset up if he needs to for his other stuff. So, yep, so. interesting. I want to take you back to one moment in the Craig Hubner game. Okay. I, I had the great joy. We talked about it with Craig earlier. Yeah. It was a slug fast. It was like I felt like I was watching like Bork McEnroe go at it because it was a he's long, such a long cookie, like, Such a great guy. Like, oh, yeah. he's, like, he and he'll and talk you how to beat him too. Like, oh no, no, you could do that. Yeah, do that. He, <laughs> he was very kind to be like, oh, yeah. and, like he could have just sat there and maybe wait, you know, five minutes for me to plug this out and figure it out. But he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just. Well, he loves yeah. the game so much yeah. that he's just as excited to see you beat him in a cool way as vice versa. You know, yeah. but there was a moment where it was kind of coming down to the end of game two and you had a whole bunch of actions coming yeah, yeah. It, craig was still i think you were at seven life he had an ice man in the field yeah. you had polaris on level one who only had two defense mm-hmm. coming out of craig's bag he had five dice in his bag one of them was the Jubilee that does two damage when she's fielded, so she could knock out yep. that Polaris and allow him to go Iceman crazy. Yeah, well, she, he was able to knock out Polaris and Hope, who was copying Polaris. But before that, yeah. I'm thinking about, even before oh, that, yeah. you had rolled, and you had a pretty good roll. I think you got one brick, you rolled Hope, yeah. and you knew sitting in your prep area was just a boatload of actions. Yep. So... I was impressed because you, you thought it through. You knew that like the danger was you're sitting at seven, right? Yeah. And I'm sure it was going through your mind, right? Like, do I, who do I name with hope? The obvious choice, everyone instinctively, like when they feel mimic, they name sidekick. Sometimes when it's not to their their best advantage, yeah. right? Here you could do the same thing. You could name Boom Boom, who is the, like, yeah. what people instinctively do, because then I can go five, 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 game over. Because yeah. Craig, I think, was still up at like 16 or 17 at yeah, that yeah. point in time. He, and he had six dice in his bag. Right. One of which was Jubilee. Right. So if Jubilee had come out, it would have been game over. If Jubilee hadn't come out and I'd gone Hope, it would have probably been game over. So take for me him. through so, your thought process. So what did yeah, you do with that? So moment? that I was, I, it, I'm just not as much of a risk taker. That's why I don't play the 50-50s and stuff. I, I just like Joe Vega loves that stuff. He's like, give me the 50-50. But yeah, I was like, uh, I just, I, I'm gonna play it safe. I'm gonna try to keep him from, you know, ice manning me to death and hope that I can get them the next turn. Maybe get some unblockable Yuantes through. And, and get a bigger field than him because he's typically using up all of his sidekicks to hit Iceman or whatever. So it was a gamble either way, really. It was, and it was cool. And you, so you use hope to name Polaris. So I had two of them out that restricted to one global. Both yep. two twos now. Yep. So restricted to one global. Craig pulled, and then he didn't pull. He the, did pull he, so, so then you were like, ah, if I had only done the thing. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think it was still the right call, yeah, yeah. you know? And so then... I'm trying to remember, you did some damage to him. You got him down to like seven yeah, yeah. or something like that. So it was seven, seven, yeah. something like that. And then he pulled his jubilee, pulled jubilee yep. and he pulled, and this is how at least and rolls it, and thrown brick. Yep. And he rolled it, but he rolled that jubilee. And the only thing that sucks about that jubilee is her level three face. And of yep. course, it came up at level three. Yep. 
And so he didn't have quite the energy because he needed four damage to get rid of a, both of them. Yeah. And then start pinging Iceman for the win. Yep. And he just was a little energy poor. He could have yeah. the clay face was on the table so he could get a couple extra bolts. I think he had a chain gun in the use pile. Yeah, but and, he had to spend that extra bolt pinging out. Right. I don't remember which one it was, but he needed two from Jubilee, one from Throne Brick, and an extra right. extra ping. And yeah. I saw Craig going, sometimes you get tunnel vision and it's a long day. Yeah. You know, I've having been the, done this before, such a long day. And I think mathematically, he might not have made the best play. He got rid of both of your guys to open up his Iceman, yeah. which is achievable, but he couldn't do the lethal damage at that point. Well, I think he could have he could have pinged out your he could have used Jubilee on your Boom Boom. Yeah, because he was already yeah, up yeah. one game. Yeah, he could have went for the the, he gone the tie. For the tie yeah. Which yeah. strategically might have been the yeah. smart play. If I hadn't rolled back Boom Boom, then yep. Yeah. yeah, you would have had a seventy-five percent chance of rolling her back. But if she doesn't there roll, just, there's I mean, you know at that point there were so many different paths that the game could have gone depending on what I ping depending on what he attacked with depending yeah. you know so yeah it's just you got to pick one you got to go into your doctor strange mode and find yeah. the one that gets you there yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you so much and congratulations again uh great play today and your top four finish and now i get to to watch me lose on stream again i didn't <laughs> i didn't screw up a parallax i did screw up green devil mask but you know uh, man, it's like a bad day of fishing right it's, we've all been there yeah. and it comes comes back to haunt you over and over again <laughs> but honestly you know I, I give him some crap but if i'm if i have to lose in the top four to Ben, I mean, that's pretty dang respectable. So, you know. Ain't no shame to lose a Ben. He's he's a great player. Thanks again, Troy. You bet. All right, we're sitting here post-Worlds, and I'm at the winner's table with Ben Scott, who is our new reigning world champion, and a runner-up as Mr. Laurier, and first impressions of the game. This was very much decided by the matchup, honestly. Uh, I mean, looking at this meta, you can have fast burn like Iceman, which a team like mine, which is more aggressive, will do better against. And then you have very, very, very heavy control with static field like what Ben was running, which made my life very difficult because I relied on combat damage and he used static field all day. It did shine a light on a weakness of my team, which I knew from the start and I kind of decided to go with it anyway, which was a vulnerability to static field. Was there anything that Ben was doing? I mean, I noticed early in the game, you got him, first game one, you got him with a big hit in the beginning, you know, down to 10 or something like that. And then he (laughs) shrieked your supreme intelligence. How did you feel about that? Was that a surprise to you? Were you expecting it? Well... I mean, I knew he was going to do that. He did that the first time we faced off actually in round one, which was actually my only loss in Swiss. He did that then, and he did this now. It is clear that that was a very good call on his end. I mean, obviously it messes with the ramp to a degree. And what really made the difference wasn't so much that. It was the fact that he was keeping so many masks to stop my attacks. And because he can generate masks so easily with his ramp, I needed to stop his ramp. And some crucial shriek rolls that failed led to me not being able to stop his ramp in time. Yeah, I noticed in game one, you and you were able to get your shriek out and shriek his mimic. His mimic didn't turn the first time, and you got ahead of him with a shriek, and that allowed you to kind of get it going for a second there. And it looked like you might have had the upper hand until he was able to stabilize, get the mimic out. I, I can't remember how he got rid of your shriek. Something happened. Somehow he got rid of your shriek in game one, and he freed up his mimic, if my memory serves me correctly. I think it was a green devil mask roll. I'm not sure. But yeah, because I, I kind of have to run into his green devil mask. Thankfully, I can just roll stuff right back because it goes to used per the ruling that was done today. Can you talk to me about that? Because I didn't know. That surprised me. I didn't realize that. I would have thought it had gone to transition, but the ruling was to go straight to used and that you can then just start bringing those guys back in again, right? Yeah, that's how it was ruled today. I don't know if that's how it will be ruled going forward. I mean, unfortunately, they could not find a clear and reliable 
ruling to base themselves off of, and so they base themselves off of their earlier ruling, and which had been done in consultation with Whiskit's staff, I understand. So, so they had ruled that it goes to used. I don't want to make the case for why that ruling is, because that's, again, they're going to make that decision down the line with kids whether they want that to continue happening, but they had determined it would not go through transition. But it's interesting. It gave you a chance in a way that that green gravel mask could be so oppressive, especially against a team like yours that wants to build up a huge field and kind of overwhelm you. But at least if it's going straight to used, you can rechain everything if you get lucky and, and smash again, right? I mean, possibly. You can at least use Professor X, and, and there's two Professor Xs on the table, so that was at least something in your favor here, right? That's absolutely correct, and it's in fact one of the elements that convinced me to run this team, because we had, we asked for that ruling in advance, because we knew that was a deciding factor. And at the time, we had been told that's how it would be ruled, and they were consistent with that, including today. And I understand I'm not even the only one who asked about that ruling, so anyway, so that led to me choosing this team. Great. Well, I, like I said earlier, I was really impressed with the team, and congratulations again on, on an excellent, excellent showing today, all the way to the top table. Well, thank you. A quick note from the future. Although this Green Devil Mask ruling was played consistently through the tournament, it turns out it's incorrect based on the current rulebook. You can find the relevant information on page 6 and 7 of the X-Men Forever rulebook in the section titled Out of Play. And I quote, When you spend energy during your turn or use an action die, it goes out of play until the end of turn, when it is moved to the use pile. Dice that are out of play cannot be interacted with by any game mechanics and will not be used to refill the bag if it runs out mid-turn. Unblocked attackers also go to out of play, as well as any dice sent from the field or reserve pool to the use pile during your turn. The out-of-play area does not exist during your opponent's turn, and any energy spent or dice sent to the use pile will go directly there. So if you trigger Green Devil Mask on your turn, your dice will move from the field zone to out-of-play before going to your use pile at the end of the turn. All right, sitting here now, Ben has collected his new Guardians of the Galaxy factory set and all kinds of stuff. It wasn't Yu-Gi-Oh! Not that I can run against Yu-Gi-Oh!, but who needs two Yu-Gi-Oh!? Anyway, uh, congratulations to you. Welcome to the Starbelly Sneetches Club. Oh, my days. Yeah, I know. After you were a jerk last year and wrecked me. Yeah, no, it feels pretty good. Uh, obviously, something I wanted to do for a while. And yeah, I was, I'm just thankful that everyone who took out the Icemans took out the Icemans and it kind of fell. Nice matchups for me. Troy's was difficult. The other two in top eight were okay. I had a torturous time in Swiss, but I got through enough to do thing and everyone else drew, so <laughs> they pushed me off anyway. Yeah, it was a, a lot of draws today, a lot of really good games. Uh, congratulations again. This is an excellent team. I'm just looking at it right now. Once again, it's the question, uh, the one with Gadgeteer, two-cost Justice League character, pairs so beautifully with the Green Lantern human. And, of course, the Green Devil Mask, which we saw come through for you in spades. I, I don't think you had a chance to use Gadgeteer in the matchup yeah, with I Laurier. I think I used it maybe... I used it once in a game to get a second Green Devil Mask out. I used it a couple times, but, you know, it always fails for me. Yeah. It's a nice way around Switch, but there was no Scarlet Witch at all. That was actually really surprising to me, considering how many actions are still actually kicking around. Yeah, I was really surprised there was so little little Scarlet Witch happening. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm not because it's a three-cost bolt, right? And the three-cost bolt slot is taken. Yeah, you got Shriek and Storm. I played the Storm today a little bit, which was uneven, but I was going for that 50-50 removal kind of thing. One of the things that concerned me when building the team was that I didn't have a second way to stop Shriek 
like a Mimic or the three-cost Cape Bishop, but actually putting the static field up ensured against Laurier that he couldn't blank the Cape Bishop, so I always had that plus the green double mass in combo. Interesting. Though, were you worried about seeing a wrecker? I was surprised we didn't see more wreckers today because then <laughs> the Cape Bishop gives you that opportunity to... It does, but it makes the game miserable to play, so no one wants to do it. <laughs> I saw one today. There was one today I was able to shrieked and then stormed. So much energy, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wrecker is he's just a pain. I mean, I came up against Polaris, but actually my team doesn't need that many globals. Once the Mimic ramp is out, I generally have enough psychics rolling that I'm able to get psychics out and doing thing. The only thing I can't do, I guess, is blink back, question Green Lantern when I attack with them. But actually, a lot of the games I wasn't winning with that. I was just kind of winning by like playing around people or using Morph to beat Iceman. If they try and out-control me, I don't care because Green Devil Mask stops you. How many levels of control can they get? before Green Devil Mask rolls it all the way. Um, and that was one of the benefits, especially in testing with like Boom Boom Hope teams. They often had a bishop, so they feel both those. Well, I could just feel Morph, copy their bishop. Now they have to get another character out, and that's probably four. Yeah, that's one of the things about this team that I really liked. It was you start thinking like, okay, I can start off with control here. Like I noticed your first buy was off and Shriek. Yeah. And that makes them start filling up their field, which is like what you want to do to trigger your green double mask, which is what's coming down the pike if you play for the long game. Well, especially here. if you think about it, like if you buy a Shriek, they have to buy a Shriek to stop you. That's one character. Then they have to buy their win condition, which is generally two characters unless you're Iceman. So that's three characters already in the field, and then you have nothing to play around with with Green Devil Mask. Yeah, it's really, really strong. Let me ask you this. There was a couple interesting strategical points in the game. Laurier got off to a quick start in game one. You missed your Mimic. Mimic was kind of uh, telling you to go home and yeah. just not playing with you. And he was able to come out and do you know, a quick bit of damage. I think he got you down to 10 or something yeah. relatively quickly. So you were a little bit on the defensive at the beginning of game one. Shriek came out. You had a Shriek choice. And tell me what was going through your mind when you put her out. I saw you kind of thinking about things. Because there's a lot of things on his side of the board that were probably worthy of some consideration. Yeah, well, first and foremost, most of the games I was on the defensive from the beginning. I'm just quite willing to take damage. Uh, I know lots of people aren't, but I think at least until you get to 10, I'm pretty happy if they're attacking or doing whatever. Uh, the second thing is... In the first match of Swiss, I played Laurier, and the first thing I shrieked was a Supreme Intelligence, and he was like, huh, why did you do that? Like, as if, like, that was gonna, like, that was such a good choice, and I was like, okay, well, if that's a good choice, I'll just keep doing that. <laughs> the alternate, I guess, would be shrieking his Black Widow, right, so he can't force something to attack. But actually, Static Field stops that. Right. It could, I mean, you could say the Black Widow is a two-for-one, and that he can't taunt, yeah. and he can't yeah. get that, that buff, that but... is my sidekicks... I generally have them out, so unless he rolls level one Black Widow, and then even then I can just blink them back, so they just get stuck in the field. Right. And then the only way he gets to get them out is by triggering Green Devil Mask. Which that new ruling, you know, actually kind of well, worked in I favor think, of his team a little bit because he could really chain it again. Yeah, I think so, because so the ruling is that the die you roll out with Green Devil Mask goes straight to the used, which obviously benefits him because he can trigger fish, trigger the Green Devil Mask by fielding a sidekick, roll that stuff, that goes to used, all he has to do is field another sidekick and then he's rolling that stuff again. And potentially get those Widows again to do their thing Which again, right? Also one of the other reasons I wasn't really worried about Green Devil Mask because I had Mimic Ramp, so mainly I'm triggering that by Green Devil Mask by fielding a sidekick which triggers Mimic, so anything I roll out I just prep, so I get it next turn anyway. Yeah, really sweet. Really sweet. Yeah. yeah, really a well-designed, synergistic team piloted wonderfully today. So congratulations again. Thank and, you, you know, I hope you uh, enjoy the crown for the year. Know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a heavy burden, but I'm sure you'll manage somehow. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, yeah. <laughs>
Well, looking Shinjiro and scale. After all was said and done, how to go with Formaggio? Well, I had I had a pretty bad matchup to open up the tournament, but after that, I got a win and then many ties. So I finished it with a completely even record if you count a win as one and a loss as negative one and a tie as zero. So I was nearly undefeated. You know, I only lost one game. I mean, how many how many people can say that nearly undefeated? I know, right? Well, you don't need to tell me. But I mean, <laughs> well, a lot of this stuff is matchups, right? And you pulled off a terrible matchup. You who are what against Ben Dyer at the head? Ben Dyer, yeah. Yeah, and to to really counter your team, a team had to have OP Black Widow. Dreadnought and Scarlet Witch on the team, and the odds of that are pretty small, right? But Ben had all three, correct? He did, and like <laughs> it was, it was good news for me as well, though, because I had like the perfect card for countering him, and that was five cost Wonder Woman. That's kind of the linchpin of my team, but it was really good against him because his only damage was Nobby. So he needed to get over 20 damage on the table with only Dreadnought to KO all three of the Wonder Women I had out. I never thought I'd be regretting only bringing three Wonder Women to the table. (laughs) When I brought three, I said, that's more than enough. (laughs) (laughs) But it was actually less than enough. I should have brought four, but I can't can't bang on myself for not anticipating needing four. I mean, that's that's, that's pretty out there. I think the bane of your existence was staff this weekend, correct? A staff always hates me i'm done with all those epic magical objects they all hate me and you know what the feeling is mutual epic magical objects i hate you too ring of winter didn't roll for me against laurier five times in a row staff didn't roll for me a single time i wanted it to roll for me all weekend but i i'm done complaining about luck i'm making a change in mindset i think that's part of how ben scott got so good at this game he's like there's no such thing as bad luck there's just bad piloting well and i don't know to a degree i think that's like kind of unfair but at the same time like he definitely lives by it well he builds teams that that synergize well and so that a missed roll can still be used which is definitely a way to go the question is did you have fun i had a lot of fun I was kind of stupid because I didn't practice with a timer on. And I think that if I had, (laughs) then I would not have run that team. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, yeah, I, 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 I had fun and I'm excited to be climbing the ladder again. So I'm very psyched for nationals this year i'm gonna have a lot more time on my hands yeah well i was tactically undefeated until the final round of swiss i was three oh and two at the time and you know i was play- i was really rusty but i was having a really good time and i made a terrible decision at the start of my round six matchup against troy and when i zigged when i should have zagged and so i ended up finishing ninth on the day you know just outside the dance Mercifully so, I think, because though I would have really liked to have gotten one of those Jubilee cards, uh, my team was really not built to make it for the long run. It was built to like just kind of compete all day, which is what it did. But beyond that, it really didn't have what it took. You know, if anybody wants to part with their Jubilee, let me know. I'll make it worth your while. Bottom line is, I came here to have fun and roll some dice with cool people. And as far as that goes, mission accomplished. But you still had fun, right? Absolutely. And before we sign off, I want to say congratulations again to all our finalists over the weekend. We went over to the Muhammad Ali exhibit before we left Graceland, and one of his quotes leapt out at me. He said, The fight is won or lost, far away from witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym, and out there on the road, long before I dance under those lights. I want to salute you guys for putting in the time to prepare before the event. It was evident on the day, so kogarjas. Until next episode, go nieri go gyalat. Son.
that's the end of Turn 5, my friends, and it's time for the final clear. We hoped you enjoyed today's show. You can find us at rollinthunder.xyz, without a G or an apostrophe, where you'll discover all the links necessary to listen or subscribe to the show. You can also reach us by email at arge or lucan at rollinthunder.xyz. Our theme music was created by Jesse Weiner. We're in no way affiliated with WizKids, other than we love and celebrate the game of Dice Masters. So keep on rolling, August Narlagajia the Lao. We'll be talking again in two weeks' time with another guest. So stay tuned, enough said.